Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Ben Bidwell, who's Director of U.S. Customs at C.H. Robinson. And today we're going to talk about navigating tariff changes in the trade environment. Now, you know, it's not often that global trade uh, news makes the headlines, but it's certainly the case, you know, these days. You know, when you, when you see, you know, uh, uh, the U.S. and China kind of imposing trade uh, tariffs on each other. You've got things like NAFTA getting renegotiated. There's still lingering concerns and uncertainty around Brexit and, and just a host of all, you know, uh, other things. Um, you know, so, so what impact are these changes having on, on importers and exporters? And, you know, what are some of the things that companies can do to kind of minimize the risks and, and successfully navigate through all these changes? Well, that's going to be the main, you know, focus of, uh, of our discussion today. And kind of it's great to have, uh, you know, Ben with us, who's kind of in the front lines of this and his role there at, at C.H. Robinson to kind of share his insights and advice on this topic. So, Ben, welcome to the program. Great. Thank you very much for having me, Adrian. It, uh, there's, as you mentioned, there's certainly been a, a, a ton of things going on uh, with these tariffs and all of these changes that you mentioned. Um, you know, it's funny, I think. Just this morning, there was an article that came out that was talking about, um, I think, of, of the 110 uh, S&P 500 companies that have reported their earnings for this quarter, um, 41 of them have, have explicitly mentioned these, these tariffs or had to answer questions about these tariffs. And I think that really just goes to the sheer magnitude of, of, of what all of this means. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. You know, th these are things, you know, I, you know, I get the Wall Street Journal every day and, and these are things you're seeing in the Wall Street Journal. You're seeing it, them even in, you know, just general business, you know, magazines. And, and to right. your point, you know, you're having CEOs and CFOs talking about tariffs and talking about, you know, trade agreements and so forth, because it is having such an impact on, on business results and, you know, on the risk front, you know, as well. Uh, you know, so these are things that we're obviously going to you know, you know, dive into a little bit more in, in our discussion here. But, you know, before we, we go into that, you know, like I always like to do whenever we bring a new guest onto the program, I'm, I'm always curious how they got involved in this industry to begin with. Sure. Uh, so, so why don't we start there? I mean, tell us a little bit about your career path, you know, how and why, why you got involved with, uh, you know, supply chain logistics, customs and, and tariffs and things like that, and kind of what your current role and responsibilities are there at uh, CH Robinson. Sure, absolutely. So I've been with CH Robinson for 14 years. Um, always been in the realm of customs and compliance in some capacity. Um, and I, I really got into this. Um, my, my mother was, a, was an import specialist with customs uh, in the port of Minneapolis for almost 30 years. And I think growing up, hearing a lot of the you know, different kinds of stories that she would share and things going on, um, you know, it was always kind of in the back of my head that, hey, that, that's really interesting. Um, you know, going through school, I never really thought about it much as a career, um, but sure enough, upon, uh, upon completion of school, um, I started with C.H. Robinson, and uh, here 14 years later, um, I am responsible for our 25 global forwarding offices here in the U.S. that, uh, that operate as a customs broker. Wow, great, uh, uh, great background there, and uh, you know, kudos to mom for uh, kind of introducing you to the uh, kind of the industry. So you know, it was kind of there in the back of your mind all along, and you just right. didn't know it that you were uh, being prepared for for this industry. And it's a great industry because, as as we you know can see clearly now, 
you know, it, there's never a dull moment and there's always things that are, that are happening uh, in this industry. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, so like we, we've already talked about, I mean, t trade and tariffs have been kind of in the headlines all year. So maybe, maybe as a way to kind of get the conversation started, I mean, can you give us a summary of, you know, some of the biggest developments so far this year? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think it really all started off with the Section 201 safeguard tariffs that we saw on solar cells, modules, and residential washing machines in February. Um, you know, that certainly had an impact, but in the grand scheme of things, I think that was pretty minimal. Um, you know, it just didn't affect that, that, that broader group of, of, of importers. Um, then, you know, fast forward to March and you had the 232 steel and aluminum tariffs. Um, that certainly was much more publicized, had a much broader impact. Um, and then I think, you know, as those tariffs progressed, um, you know, we started out in March with some exempt countries. And then when that changed in June, I think it really started to have that full impact of what those tariffs meant. And people were really starting to pay attention. Um, but again, that was still isolated to steel and aluminum. Um, the big one, the Section 301 tariffs, unfair trade practices um, for goods coming from China. That's the big one. That's the one that everybody's talking about. Um, and so really, so far, we've had three waves. We've had the July 6th implementation, um, and then we've had the August 23rd and September 24th, and these have obviously snowballed and, and really widened um, as far as the scope of, of commodities that they cover. Um, and so right now we're, you know, we're sitting on about $250 billion worth of goods that the U.S. imports annually that are now subject to these tariffs. Um, now, the, I, I guess what we're calling list three, um, or this last list that went into effect uh, in September, um, was implemented at 10% versus the first two lists that came in at 25%. Um, now, that, this, this list three is also the big one at the 200 billion. Now, I think what everybody's um, waiting for is January 1, and that's when this, this list three um, is, is scheduled to move from 10% to 25%. Now, I, th I think that's where we're going to really see um, an even stronger impact to these tariffs. Yeah, and also a lot, a lot has gone on. And, you know, obviously there's the, you know, financial implications, there's the, the implications from, you know, um, from a supply chain standpoint in terms of uh, importing and exporting strategies and, and what to do there and when sourcing strategies. Um, but, and then, you know, for better or worse, you know, this being an election year here in, in the U.S., you know, there's the political side of things that are kind of weaved into all this. So I think it's kind right. of a perfect storm of, of activity that's, that's helped to kind of amplify or elevate kind of the conversation, you know, right. around all these things. Um, so, so as these changes have, have taken place in kind of stages and, again, more, more uh, things to come, I mean, what, what impact, I mean, when you talk to customers, when you talk to companies you work with there, I mean, what impact are these changes having uh, on importers and export, exporters and other stakeholders in the industry? I think it's really forcing companies to, to really take a good hard look at, at their compliance program, their import program. Um, everything old is new again. And so really, you know, when you think about, um, you know, past programs that, that may not have worked for you. Those may work now. 
um, now that you have a lot more duty that you're paying on the table. Um, things as basic as tariff classification, which not to say that in the past, um, it wasn't taken seriously by a lot of organizations, but I think now it's certainly front and center in that spotlight. Um, and that's something that, you know, a lot of folks are, are, are putting a lot more pressure on and making sure that their degree of confidence is much higher on their tariff classification now that you've got these big tariffs that swing with it. Um, and then the one that I think isn't, isn't as broadly talked about as I think it should be is around bond sufficiency. Um, a lot of importers have never have never had to deal with um, bonding issues because their their effective duty rate was so low. Um, so you know every importer needs a bond to import into the U.S. and the bond amount is calculated by taking 10% of the duties and taxes that you would expect to pay for the next calendar year. Um, the minimum bond for a continuous bond is $50,000. The majority of importers traditionally have not needed anything over that amount. But now that you're looking at 10 and 25% tariffs on such a wide range of goods, um, that's, that's really forcing importers to take a, to take a look at this. Um, you know, we've had cases where importers are needing 200, 300, um, up to, you know, one, two, three million dollar bonds all of a sudden. And when that happens, that certainly can create some issues. Um, you know, the surety companies don't just hand out these bonds. Um, you know, they, they require financials and in a lot of cases um, can require collateral. And those are things that don't happen overnight. Um, and so I think one of the things that, that, that we've really been stressing to importers is take a look at this now before you get that insufficiency notice from customs. Because once you get that letter, you don't have a lot of time. It's usually 15 days. And 15 days may sound generous, but when you're talking about, you know, working within your organization to do things like get financials and you know, if you do need a letter of credit, um, you know, or, or, or high amount of collateral, those aren't things that are pieced together uh, quickly. You know, while I, I, this is all new to me, uh, uh, Ben, I, I really hadn't heard about this bond sufficiency thing. And you're right, I don't think I've seen much, uh, you know, commentary on it. So, so it's certainly something that, uh, based on what you just said there, uh, I think it would be something that I think most companies ought to be, you know, looking at because to, right. to your point, I mean, you should really be planning now for if and when that becomes, you know, an issue so that you can, uh, you know, have your, your, you know, ducks lined up to really take action, you know, before, uh, in a more proactive manner rather than in a reactive manner, you know, right. by getting that letter from, from, you know, from customs. Um, you know, one of, some of the things I've seen, you know, so, so that's new to me. I, I think some of the things I've seen in the news, you know, I've been, you know, a lot of retailers uh, and other companies importing, you know, uh, uh, Ford importing product, you know, before the tariffs hit to try to, you know, so building up their inventory here uh, so that they don't get hit with the tariffs. Uh, and then with the, with the product classification, I'm, uh, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, number one, I remember years ago, um, you know, I was at a conference and, and it amazed me that, you know, there were these two very large brand name companies that were talking about how they did classifications, basically using, you know, Excel spreadsheets and, you know, right. just bringing in, you know, trade lawyers to come in once a year to, 
kind of helped them with classification, but it, it was a very much uh, non-sophisticated uh, process that they had. And I, I kind of scratched my head when I thought about the, you know, the financial and the risk compl- you know, implications of, of what they were doing, but you know, so right. be it, right? But there was an article in the Wall Street Journal related to this uh, just a week or two ago uh, that highlighted how, and I'm, I'm just going to quote here what they said, how the business of code fudging is expanding in step with tariff increases. So, you know, in other words, the, the article talked about how companies are, are looking at changing their product classifications or their, their HTS codes to potentially get around, you know, the, these tariffs. Um, you know, is this a good or a bad idea? And, and kind of what are the risks and challenges involved of, of going down that route? Right, right. So, yeah, as you can imagine, this is this has been a very um, common question that we've been fielding from um, from a lot of importers. Um, there is risk associated with this. It's not just as easy as saying, let's just change our tariff classification. One, you need to ensure that it's right. Now, if you have been importing something incorrectly, and you would like to change the tariff classification, there's no problem in doing that. But you can't forget about the past. And I think that's where a lot of people don't necessarily realize, wait, there's more to it than just looking forward. Um, You know, if you've traditionally been importing something and it's been duty free, and you realize, wait, this isn't correct, Um, we're gonna change the classification, and now now there's a 3% duty rate, that may, get you out of section 301 tariffs from these you know, 25 and 10% tariffs. But now that you've got this 3% that you're gonna pay going forward, you also need to look back and, and shore up the, the past five years of those imports um, and make sure, that, you know, make sure that you're paying customs for that 3% for the previous years. Um, and does it go and back that, five years? Is that the time frame that you go back? Right, right. Right, and so it's just a matter of making sure, I mean, first and foremost, tariff classification has to be correct. Um, and I think, you know, the other question that we get fr- from a lot of importers is, well, what is the likelihood that customs is gonna find out? And surely we can't tell them five, 10%, 30%, we don't know. Um, but what, I, what, what we do tell them is that customs as an organization isn't stupid. They have, I mean, they have very sophisticated technology and they've got um, dedicated employees, especially around these tariffs, to make sure that they are watching import activity and they may not catch you today, they may not catch you next month, but at some point it does catch up to you and the risk is not worth it. Um, You know, if you are subject to the duties, it's unfortunate for your company, but there are some things that you can do. Right, right. No, I, absolutely. I mean, even in uh, you know this whole area of product classification and making sure that you're you, you're doing it you know correctly is you know such an important topic. Even absent all of the tariff changes and everything else that we've talked about, because you know to to your point, I mean, um, you know, there's the, there's the case where you've been misclassifying and now you owe customs a lot of money. Right, um, but there's also the cases which the opposite. Hey, you've been misclassified, and and you're you're you can get some some of that money back, right? Exactly. Um, so there's some duty drawback, you know, possibilities there. But at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you really are complying with the, uh, you know, you know the regulations and that you're doing things right. 
which kind of right. brings me to kind of my, my next question is, all right, so in light of everything that we've talked about and potential different strategies and things you, you can do, I mean, what actions, you know, should companies take in response to these tariff changes and risk? And, you know, how can, you know, logistic service providers, you know, the, the partners that they have, you know, help them in this process? Right, right. Um, well, I think, you know, we've talked about tariff classification and I think ensuring that ensuring that you have a high degree of confidence in your tariff classification is first and foremost. Um, second, there's, you know, programs in the past that, that, that may not have been valuable to you as an organization um, or necessarily worth it. And you did mention duty drawback and that, that's a great, that, that's a great example. Um, you know, we've talked to companies in the past that say, well, you know, duty drawback isn't really worth it to us right now, um, or not something that we're willing to invest in from a time standpoint. Um, you know, in any given year, we only have the potential for maybe $10,000, and it's just not worth it. Um, with these tariffs, that $10,000 might now be 100000 or $200,000. And so, yeah, duty drawback is looking very appealing right now. Um, and so that is, that is certainly something um, that a lot of companies are looking at. And I mean, it's, it's, it's a part of almost every conversation that we're having. Um, you have things like bonded warehouses, um, foreign trade zones. Now, the foreign trade zones aren't going to alleviate you um, of that Section 301 duty, but it is going to defer that uh, payment to customs until you withdraw that from the FTZ. And so, um, I mean, I really think between those, th those are kind of the, 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 biggest, the, the biggest pieces to this um, as far as, you know, what can you do? Um, you've got alternative sourcing locations. Now that is not as easy um, as I think a lot of people think that it may be. Right, you can't just pick up your manufacturing process in China and move it to a new, uh, you know, move it to another country. Um, but we are seeing that happen. It just doesn't happen overnight. And I, I think that those, you know, especially as these tariffs continue, and if they continue, um, you know, to go on longer and longer, I think that we're going to continue to see that trend of some production and manufacturing move to other locations. You know, that, that's a great point. I mean, certainly, you know, at the beginning of the year, you know, when kind of these things were being talked about, even, you know, end of last year, right, we, we knew some of these things were going to be happening. You know, one of the recommendations I was making is that companies sh should be already modeling and simulating all these what if scenarios, so that they can, you know, at least have a game plan defined in terms of what to do if and when some of these changes you know, occurred, whether it made sense to, you know, source from different locations or manufacture in different locations and, you know, and so forth. I think a lot of questions for a lot of folks today is, um, well, is this just a temporary thing or is this going to be like the new normal, right? I mean, are we just playing, right. you know, tit for tat right now? And then, you know, miraculously, there's going to be, you know, a handshake between the U.S. and China. And then, you know, we're going to, you know, un unravel all, all of what's happened over the past few months. So I think, um, you know, I think some of it is, you know, standing by the sidelines going, what do I, you know, I don't want to radically transform things because this may all kind of, the pendulum might start swinging back to, to, to normalcy, you know, right. and not to distant future. So I think that's part of the, the challenge that companies has. Do you hear the same thing or? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, we get asked 
every day. How long is this going to go on? And, you know, we don't have a crystal ball. Um, you know, I, I guess I don't see them going away instantaneously. Um, I mean, if you look at, if you look at how uh, things have really played out between the U.S. and China from, from a trade relations standpoint over the last few months, there hasn't been a lot of positive vibes coming from this. And so, you know, it could all come to an end next month, but I don't see the likelihood of that happening uh, anytime soon. Right, right. Yeah, and I, I think I, uh, I, you know, I agree with that as well. Um, you know, so looking ahead, I mean, you, you mentioned some, you know, pending uh, changes coming up now, January 1st, but, uh, you know, are there other trade-related risks, you know, that companies should keep in, you know, a pulse on and kind of heading into 2019 here? Um, yeah, I mean, really outside of the tariffs, um, you know, you've got things like NAFTA, um, which is which is now going to be USMCA. Um, that's certainly something to, to, to keep an eye on. Um, you know, if you're involved in, in cross-border transactions, that is something that, that you should be paying attention to. Um, you know, there were a number of changes. I think that there were a, a pretty, some pretty substantial changes around trade facilitation, um, de minimis, uh, regional value content, things of that nature. Um, but really, I think, my biggest concern is some of the comments that we heard earlier in the year um, from the administration about a about a possible list four um, of these Section 301 tariffs. And I think, you know, I can't help but get that out of the back of my mind of if that happens, um, which, you know, they've been talking about if that were to happen, um, you know, the administration could look to place additional duties on essentially the remainder of what we import from China, which is, um, you know, would, would be effective on essentially 200 and I think $67 billion worth of goods. Um, I mean, that, that would be um, an, an absolute game changer. And so, you know, I think these are all things to, to pay very close attention to. I mean, if I look back to June and July when these tariffs were first being talked about, um, and you know, you had mentioned, you know, talking to companies about making sure that they're planning for the, for all of these what ifs. Um, so many of the comments that we heard back then from importers was, "This is never going to happen." And then July sixth came, and twenty five percent. And I think that that caught a lot of folks off guard. And so, I don't know that there's any one thing I would say to watch for, um, other than keep up with what's happening within the, within the trade environment right now, because really anything can happen. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. I mean, staying informed, I think is, is probably the, the, the number one, you know, advice, because uh, as you just said, you know, uh, all this can change for the better next month, right. uh, or it could change uh, to be even more challenging and disruptive next month as well. Right. Uh, or right. In the not too distant future here. So it could go either way. And it's really uh, anyone's guess, um, but but I think you know being informed and being prepared uh, for for different scenarios, I think is the most uh, you know critical uh, piece here. Which kind of brings me to my to my last you know question, which you know kind of as a way to wrap wrap up. I mean, what what questions should companies ask themselves to assess whether they're well prepared to 
kind of successfully navigate to whatever ha- whatever happens with you know tariffs and the trade environment in the right. months ahead. I mean, I think you know it, it all starts with um, with are you comfortable with what you have in place today for your trade and compliance team. Um, you know, are you confident that you have members within your organization that are staying informed and that are looking at all of these things that we've talked about, right? Tariff classification, duty drawback, um, foreign trade zones, you know, all of these different aspects. But then are you confident that you are working with a, a, a really trusted advisor and a trusted partner um, that, that you know is going to um, be watching out for your best interests. Um, you know, whether that's your customs broker or a trade attorney or a consultant, um, do you have that partner that, that that is going to help guide you through some of these things? Because, you know, we, we've talked about a lot of different things that companies can do, but it's not a one-size-fits-all. Duty drawback sounds great, but it's not going to apply to a lot of companies. Um, foreign, zone, foreign trade zones, those may work very well for certain organizations, but others, just given how they import and what their process is, that may not be um, you know, something that would work for them. And so I think really making sure that you have that partner um, to, to help guide you through this and you know, as, as things come out from customs and you know, the, the USTR and, and you know, all these different things within the news, making sure that you have somebody that can sit down and and explain it to you from a, how does this affect me? What does this really mean? Yeah, that's great advice. I mean, I think, um, you know, with the, perhaps the exception of the, of the very largest, you know, uh, you know, importers out there, you know, m- most companies do not really have the internal expertise and capabilities and, and, and knowledge to, to really understand kind of the broad spectrum of what's happening or maybe what the broad spectrum of what the potential or potential actions you know, to take. And I, I, when I view, um, you know, that's how I, how I view partners like the logistics service providers, consultants, uh, trade attorneys, uh, you know, customs brokerages and so forth. I mean, you know, right. the, the wealth of experience and expertise and knowledge that, you know, partners like that can bring to the table and can provide some advice, I think is, is going to be key in, in navigating this, uh, you know, moving forward. Well, well, Ben, I mean, I think we could probably talk for like two hours about the, <laughs> all the details of what, what potentially companies can do, what potentially might happen. But I think we, we covered a right. lot of ground uh, today. You provided some great, um, you know, food for thought and insights and advice. And, you know, it'll certainly be great to kind of maybe get together in six months time, nine months time, or maybe a year from now to see, you know, what has changed or what's different and, and you know, where right. we are from a from a tariff and, and trade perspective. So uh, again, thank you for making the time to be with us today. Yeah, thank you, Adrian. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, either at the CH Robinson website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or uh, a comment for Ben, uh, you can post it there. And I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.